0: this morning to probably what is the most solemn and reflective day on the Christian calendar and yet today as we look at the cross um, and reflect upon it it really depends on the perspective that we have how we come and join together today so today I want to take us through a few views of the cross um, Many years ago, one of the advantages of being old is that you can go back to your past and uh, many years ago I was a young school teacher and um, I used to run ISCF groups which was inter-school Christian fellowship and um, in high schools they'd meet at lunchtime and and one of the kits that we were given was a really good folder of ideas and one of the ideas for Easter um, illustrates for me one view that people might have of Easter Um, because in our world today... Um, There are many people who have their mind on all sorts of things. Um, I know it's a bit corny, but I'm pretty old, so that's okay. And, And it was this scenario that the people on Mars decided to investigate what was happening on Earth. So they sent a research team to come back and report on the religious practices of the people on Earth. And this is part of their report. Fellow Martians, it's apparent that a new religion is sweeping planet Earth. We do not know the name or origin of it, but we are certain that rabbits are at the centre of their worship. Religious indoctrination in this belief in the blessed bunny begins at birth. Earth babies learn early to positively identify with bunnies. They're dressed in cuddly sleepers, which are shaped like bunnies, and often have pictures of one or more furry animals on their chest. Their beds are painted with happy bunnies and it's not uncommon for them to sleep with stuffed bunnies. During the early years, this identification is strengthened by picture books and television programs. Bugs Bunny is especially favourite rabbit. His punchline is, what's up doc? Though we are not certain of the religious significance of this question. Worshippers of the Blessed Bunny observe a sacred week each year called Easter. Even those who don't believe go along with it. Businesses promote their wares through slogans such as hop down to your florist or bunny-shaped chocolates are everywhere. And we even saw a miniature village populated by stuffed bunnies in some shopping centres. These are worship centres for children. Song and a dance accompanied the festive week with Here Comes Peter Cottontail and The Bunny Hop, A Dance Practice by Fanatics. Um, it does go on, and it's quite an interesting story. But when we stop and we think about Easter, for many people it's caught up with the commercialisation, isn't it? And um, the festivities of Easter. And just like that report, people might not have a very clear view or perspective of what Easter is about. So this morning we're going to take a few minutes both here and online to open up God's Word um, in in the Gospel of Luke and to go on a road trip. Post-COVID road trips are pretty um, positive, aren't they? People are enjoying to go on road trips and so today we're going to go on a road trip with somebody whose name was Cleopas and a friend of his and um, we find in Luke's Gospel chapter 24... Um, the story of them walking on a road to a place called Emmaus. And the account that we read, we see how they didn't understand the significance of Easter, but God opened their eyes so that they could understand. So let's join them on their journey. Luke 24, verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. This is the Easter week. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, "'What are you discussing as you walk along?' You see, Cleopas and his friend were close associates of Jesus and his 12 disciples, Um, They were people who were on the inside group, and so what had happened during the Easter week to them had caused confusion and disappointment. To understand this idea of views and perspectives, I'm gonna give you a um, a little technique, I guess. I want you to think about a camera looking through the lens at a landscape. And in this camera, You can put on the zoom, and what you do is you see up close some very clear details, but you don't see much else. You just zoom in on a particular event. If you adjust the lens and make it back to middle range, all of a sudden, you see a much bigger context on which your picture was taken. And then if you've got lots of money and have a wide lens, you can actually see everything from horizon to horizon. You can see the really big picture of what's happening. And so when we're talking about Cleopas and his friend understanding Easter, I want you to think about it like this, that there is a sense in which when we start the story, they're in Zoom mode. As they walk with Jesus, they shift the lens and they start to understand the bigger picture. But the real joy comes when we understand the wide angle view from eternity past to eternity future. So what about these two fellows? They were walking along the road. They had been caught up with the Jesus movement as Jesus had entered Jerusalem. You can only imagine what they felt on Palm Sunday when they were in the crowd or walking alongside or behind Jesus and everywhere was praising God saying Hosanna to the son of David who has come to um, redeem his people to save the world and so there was this amazing groundswell of public support for Jesus and here they were, they were in the inner circle. They were going to be significant people in this kingdom that Jesus was bringing in. But you can also understand that their excitement started to change with confusion because the popular entry wasn't followed up with just an overwhelming support and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the Jewish leaders of the day, started to oppose Jesus. They would argue with him wherever he was. And so their expectation that Jesus was coming in to start a worldly kingdom started to have opposition that arose. I guess they would have heard from the disciples about the Lord's Supper and how Jesus um, was trying to explain to them that his purpose of coming was not too much to take over a worldly kingdom but to usher in God's kingdom by the very laying down of his life. But like those disciples, they didn't get it. They didn't understand. And they were busy arguing about who's going to be greatest, Jesus, in your kingdom when you come instead of understanding. Things got even bleaker because one of their number, Judas, betrayed Jesus publicly, well, within the group, when they came and arrested Jesus. They had to stand by and see the mockery of a trial as an innocent man was um, sentenced to death. Um, They watched in horror as the Lord Jesus, who was their hope, was nailed to the cross and died a criminal death. And from that point, their movement, which had so much promise, then scattered as the people went and hid for their own safety, tried to stay out of the public eye. And even though a couple of days after Jesus' death, there were starting to be rumours about Jesus rising again or coming back to life. At this stage, they didn't pay too much credence to that, and so here we've got Cleopas and his friend retreating from Jerusalem, going with great hope, retreating with great sadness. And let's read the story. This is the words they. This is um, in Luke chapter. Chapter we're reading 24. Um, we should read this they stood still their faces downcast one of them named Cleopas asked him are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days what things he asked oh about Jesus of Nazareth they replied he was a prophet powerful in word and deed before God and all the people And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it was, as the woman had said, but him they did not see. Here are some people whose view of Easter captures the sadness, the injustice, the painfulness of the Easter story. But we're going to change our lens from Zoom to mid-range, aren't we? And we're going to see that Jesus' death didn't just happen in the context of a week, but his life and his mission um, were all heading up to the culmination of Jesus' death and resurrection. And so we see here that Jesus, whom they don't recognise, they think he's a stranger on the road, he says to them in verse 25, "'How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken.'" Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scripture, all the scripture concerning himself. Wouldn't you love to have the Lord Jesus himself unpacking these scriptures and explaining how Jesus' death makes perfect sense in God's bigger picture? You know Jesus in the three years of his ministry as he walked with the disciples he tried hard to explain to them that he was to die but somehow rather they had a mental block they didn't understand and this is just one of many examples in Luke's gospel chapter 18 verses 31 to 34 Jesus took the 12 aside and told them we're going up to Jerusalem And everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him and spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. And on the third day he will rise again. Now that's pretty straight, isn't it? Um, And in hindsight, we understand exactly what it means. But the disciples were still in denial. Verse 34, the disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them and they did not know what he was talking about. You see, Jesus' death on the cross wasn't only a sad event in human history over that one week. It was the culmination of God's plan. And Jesus himself, his mission of coming to earth was not to bring in a new political regime, not to overthrow Roman occupation, not even to set up a worldly kingdom. His mission was far greater than that. His mission was to be the sacrifice that was needed so that mankind could be in a relationship with God. And he preached that mission that was his priority. Um, even when Nicodemus came to him at night in the account in John chapter 3, um, he explained that his mission on earth was to die for the sins of mankind. And so he says in John three fourteen, following, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life to him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so you can imagine Cleopas and his friend walking and Jesus, whom they did not recognise, trying to help them to get their heads around the true meaning and purpose of that first Easter. But we find that they still do not understand. And so for us today and also for them, there's, there's another perspective that we want to look at. This is the, the wide-angled view, if you like, of the Easter events where we see the picture from way back, eternity past, right through to eternity future, um, an endless period of time where Jesus' death and what we come and we remember today and we celebrate on Sunday of Jesus' resurrection Um, was part of God's eternal plan so that we might have a relationship with him. And so in a very simple way, we can talk about this eternal plan like this, that God from the very beginnings created mankind not to serve him as would a slave, but to be in relationship with him as part of his family. And so that's why God says in Genesis 1:26, let us, the Trinity, God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, make man in our image so that we can have fellowship with him. God knew from the very beginning that because he wanted relationship, that meant that we had free choice. You can't make somebody love you. You can only um, let them choose to love you. And so in the Garden of Eden, idyllic as it sounds, there was also opportunity for for people to make choices and Adam and Eve had that choice. And we read, sadly, that they chose to go against God and to make themselves the rulers of their life. And so the end result of sin entering the world, Romans 3.23 tells us, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But even in Genesis 3, we see God's rescue plan continues to move forward. And there's that passage in um, chapter 3, verse 15, where God is speaking to the serpent, to the devil, and saying, I'm putting enmity between your seed and the offspring of woman, and um, that they will crush your head And you will strike their heel and so the world that we live in there's a battle going on for good and for evil the devil and the God's people but we know that Jesus brings the victory over that and so then in this big picture view when we read the Old Testament we should see that the Old Testament is not an end in itself but pointing to Jesus the culmination of Jesus on the cross um, follows all of that prophecy that came in the Old Testament and time after time we read in the New Testament how Jesus did this to fulfill what the prophets said. Jesus did that so that the prophets' words would be fulfilled. And in fact, God gave a picture of how he was going to redeem the world. And so if we're in the Old Testament, one of the practices the people had was to offer a blameless um blemish free lamb as a sacrifice for the sins of the people it was never a permanent or a ongoing forgiveness it was a picture and a representation that only God could forgive sins and that the price was the offering of a lamb And so in a very real way, when Jesus died on the cross, that was the permanent sacrifice. He was the Lamb of God who died for the sins of the world so that each person, you and I, could become part of his children. And so we live in the era, the church age, where Jesus comes in power and he allows us to become children of God when we put our faith in him. Not because we've earned it, but because he paid the price of sin on the cross. And this big picture continues into eternity future. And we read in Revelations chapter 7 verse 9. After this I looked and therefore before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hand. And so the meaning of Easter is so much more than the events of the cross. Today we reflect on the price that God paid. On Sunday we reflect on God's great victory over sin and death as seen in the resurrection. But for Cleopas and his friends, there needs to be a transformation. There has to be a change of perspective of how they understood what happened on that first Easter. It says, as they approached the village to which they were going, this is on the road trip, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. The only way that their perspective is going to change is if they have an encounter with the true and living God. And so that's what's going to happen. Um, we see that they go into the house. In those days, no street streetlights. Um, it was a dangerous thing to walk at night. So it was a courtesy, it was a hospitality thing to ask people to come into your house and to be safe from all the dangers at night. And so they came in and we read there that Jesus then was at the table with them. He took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and began to give to them. And here is the encounter. Their lives were changed because they actually realised who Jesus was. They realised the significance of what he had done. And in verse 31 it says, Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while, we talked with us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Their sadness, their despondency, their confusion was replaced with hope and joy. And so it says they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two um, said what had happened on the way to Emmaus, how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke bread. They hurried back in the middle of the night Do you know how hard that was? No streetlights, dangers from wild animals, um, robbers and whatever. But what transformed them and their meeting with Jesus was that they understood that Jesus was alive, that he had risen again. And so as we share together in remembrance of Good Friday, I'm sure that the breaking of bread was very significant in the Emmaus Road story. But the breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper, communion as we share it, is very significant for us as well. It's a very important way that we remember all that Jesus has done. And so we're going to take a few minutes. We don't want to rush this. We want to spend some time in meditation and contemplation. We want to actually allow ourselves to be open that we too might commune with God as we remember of the reality of what Christ has done few instructions but once I give the instructions hopefully you'll be able to find some space together um, as we go through and so what we're going to do this morning is that we have placed at the front of the church both the elements for communion um, and when we when I give you the instruction I'll invite you to come forward thoughtfully take the bread and the wine in this pack and take it back to your seat and to actually just sit there with it as well. You'll also find at the table a couple of other symbols. This is not something we do regularly, but it's something that was meant to help us to remember. You'll find some nails. You'll also find some red ribbons. And what you can do is that you can tie your red ribbon to your nail and take that home with you. The bread and the wine we will drink and it will be gone. The nail and the ribbon, I'm going to suggest you take it home and put it somewhere where from time to time you will actually see it. And when you see it, I'm going to suggest that you actually take that as an opportunity to just there where you are to say, thank you, Lord. You laid down your life for me. You were on the cross for me. Your blood covered my sins as we go. The other thing that we're going to do is that we're going to um, have a song that's played. And the words will be there. You can sing it if you would like, but it's just as easy to listen to the words. It says, no other king. Um, Debbie was telling me during the week that it captures something of the journey we've been on to church. It talks about God setting a table. It talks about washing um, Jesus washing our feet. And it, it has that sense of praise that the price Jesus paid was not for, um, for naught. Um, in fact, his death created life for all of us. And one more thing, and that's this, that maybe there are some here today or online who your perspective of Easter could be in any of those stages. Maybe today is an opportunity for you to encounter the living God. And so as you pray, as you think, as you meditate on the elements, be open to God speaking to you. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if this Easter you recognize Jesus for who He truly was? And so we're going to be led in worship. Just come as you're ready. Don't rush. Come and take the elements. Go and sit back and then we'll lead you through. Don't um, keep the, the wine and the bread and we're going to eat it all together. Thank you.